Welcome, everybody, wherever you are. It's Draft Politics, episode 40. We're in lockdown. It's EJ this week, and with me, as always... Hey, it's Steve. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing the social distancing thing, as, as all good podcasters should do. Uh, however, I have the technology to pretend we're in a bar. Hang on one sec. There you go. Now we're in a bar. Just pretend, everybody. In a bar. And I'm looking suspiciously at all those people around me. Now, yes. I know it's it's been it's been a couple of a couple of weeks and it's been a couple of insane weeks. It feels like it's been a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is it it's been 2 weeks since Super Tuesday. That's that's nuts. I, 3 weeks 3 weeks ago, give or take, it looked like Sanders had it. <laughs> they were saying Bernie Sanders, he's got yeah, a delegate yeah. league. I should clarify, had the election, not the COVID. Let's be clear. Yeah, that's uh, true. I mean, he yeah. might have it. I, everybody might have it. I, but right. yes, three weeks ago, there was no COVID-19 on the shores. Well, maybe there was. Maybe it was in Seattle. Um, Bernie Sanders was, you know, by all accounts, they were saying, well, Bernie Sanders, he's got a delegate lead. It's going to be tough to catch him unless... Something crazy happens in South Carolina. Oh my God, South Carolina! <laughs> and now, and now we're on another timeline. I, yeah. I it does feel, it does feel like we're on another timeline. If if anything, this this you know past month or so has taught us, don't try to prepare for the future because it is totally not what you're going to expect. Although yeah. you should buy apparently lots of toilet paper, so you know. I don't understand this at all. I do not <laughs> understand it. Let's. Let's let's talk about the lighter side of you know the apocalypse as much as we can because uh, Lord knows there's enough serious stuff going on. But you know it, it cracks me up all the, the like it's not that we're going to run out of groceries, everybody. We're not going to run out of toilet paper, but everybody's afraid that we're going to run out of it, so they're out buying it and making sure they've got as much as possible. Globally, we're at like. 200,000 confirmed cases. Right. And somewhere we know around, it's more than that, but... Yeah. Yes. Somewhere around 8,000 deaths. Um, in the United States, it's 6,500-ish with uh, over 100, 100 confirmed fatalities. And here in Illinois, we're creeping up on 200 confirmed cases, one fatality. Um, yeah. I mean... What we have, and I and I think it's, I know we want to get to the lighter side, and I think that that's important. Um, we're going to keep trying, at least. <laughs> I know. But I think, you know, we, we're in this situation where we are, and I think this parallels the election, we're in narrative hell. Oh, yeah. Where everybody's got to create a narrative of it. And it is both super frustrating when I'm able to be rational about it, and terrifying when lizard brain takes over. Yeah. And lizard brain is he's been making an appearance lately. He's I gotta out, tell you. He's out he's out in the sun, he's hanging out on this rock, he's like, yes. I good. mean I mean, <laughs> I'm seeing him more than that uh, that Geico guy at this point. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's he's everywhere. And yeah. And you know, you look at numbers and people are saying, like, well, some percentage of cases are, you know, 80% of the cases are mild or 
and you're like, okay, and you and then you say, well, don't you need a denominator to calculate a percentage? Like, do you really know how many yeah. people have it? No. Although I did see an interesting thing today. Now, granted, it, the only place I saw it was an Italian news article, like had to be translated. And I didn't see it anywhere else, so who knows if it's true? I think that we should pass around completely uh, weekly sourced rumors right now because that's how we do on the internet. Uh, but it was saying like the guy they did a study of this one city in Italy, and it was all sort of controlled, and they tested everybody, and it was like half the people who had COVID were asymptomatic. It's like yeah, which is which is great, but it's also terrible. <laughs> it's like hey, you got the COVID, but you're fine. Also, well, you can spread it to everybody. So it, good on you. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know that has been the. I think that has been the the kind of underlying message that so much of the transmission is happening by people who either are asymptomatic when they transmitted it or always asymptomatic. Like they never get symptoms. I think yeah. that that is that is a possibility and you know when you start to kind of put together some pieces like you know all of the famous or near famous people who are, are saying like, oh, man, touch of the COVID, but I feel fine. Tom Hanks, get better. National treasure, Tom Hanks. Um, you know, but now, you know, we're seeing, you know, the NBA, one case, and they shut down the NBA. And now, you know, other another 10 or, or 11 NBA players have said, yep, I've got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, the, the whole idea that we're flattening the curve by keeping everybody at home regardless of their symptoms tells you that there is a strong belief that symptoms are not related to your ability to transmit it and that maybe it's a little easier to transmit than people were first you know commenting on yeah, I mean, my, my, my gut feeling on it is is that it's not necessarily that much more contagious than some other viruses that we've seen, but because people can transmit it without necessarily knowing they have it, it makes, you know, it makes everything kind of screwy. So it makes it easier, if you look at the aggregate, for people to get that, that virus, even though, you know, any individual may not be showing symptoms. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so who knows? And it's, you know, as you follow what people are posting, it's like you'll see things that are sometimes conflicting with each other. Um, you know, we saw some stuff where uh, it was suggesting that uh, uh, blood pressure meds uh, might be helping to amplify uh, the, you know, COVID in people who have high blood pressure. There's no science to back that. It's just a supposition. But of course, it's passed around as fact. Like, all of this is very new. And, you know, when we talk about flattening the curve, Part of that is also just dragging out the timeline so we have more time to understand what the hell is going excuse me, what the f is going on. There you go. Uh, there you yeah, go. Yeah, because, you know, right now it's like, you know, we, we're, we're constantly learning new things about how does the virus spread, what's the best way to test for it, what protocols work, what protocols don't. And so, like, the longer we have, the better our chances of doing that. However, at some point, the odds are we're not getting rid of this virus completely. Right. And so, you know, so it gets, it's going to get like the next couple of weeks. I feel like it's fairly straightforward. Like, okay, we're going to lock everybody down and try to slow down the spread as much as possible. Okay. 
What happens in week four, five, six after that? Who knows? I mean, and and to me, it's this, you know, this idea that right now we're trying to, like you said, buy time. And that's time to figure out how to test people and who we're going to test and expanding those protocols and keep our health system from melting under the weight of people the way Italy's has. I mean, you know, Italy is out of ventilators and yeah. yeah. And so right now it's like, if you get, if you get the COVID and you're older, you're out of luck. They're going to yeah. save younger people first because they got a better chance of surviving, which is what they should do. But it's, you know, it's sad that we've gotten to that point, and, you know. Yeah. Uh, so lighter yeah. side, uh, lighter side. Yeah. <laughs> Letter said, well, well, but but there is a brighter side, which is, yes. you know, in in China, they're reporting more recovered cases than new cases now. Yes. Um, similarly, South Korea is showing some positive signs. So. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like if you if you lock things down sufficiently, if you have a good testing regime, you know, there's there's some hope to actually like tapering this off and not having it get completely out of control. Right. Um so I'm not going to talk about Trump right now because we're trying to keep it a little lighter at this point. Ooh. But uh, actually, let's talk about like some of the stuff that's been going on around this. Um, I don't want to talk about testing. It's a disaster. Although I will say a, a, a silver lining, uh, some good news for us locally, is uh, one of the hospitals up in Evanston uh, has developed their own uh, COVID test that can turn around results in, they said, like a few hours. Um, up until now, all of our testing has been, you know, on the, on the order of days. And so yeah. you would find out you would be feeling bad. You would get tested. And then several days later, you would find out whether you did or did not have COVID and it might be a false negative. Who knows? Um, you know, and so now at least if they have, you know, more rigorous testing, they can do more quickly that makes it easier to start really tracking this and, and keeping people isolated in a much better way. Yeah. Yeah. That the testing is so important. Um, and I, I, and again, I think if you've, if we've learned anything from rich and famous people being tested, which is what we've seen. Um, and so many of them being testing positive. Um, I think we, we need to just recognize that, the more we hold a flashlight, the brighter the flashlight that we have, the more people we're going to find were already infected. Oh, um, sure. You know, and, and we see in like South Korea, it's like they've got very rigorous testing. And so their, their death rate is very, very low relative to other countries. And that's two right. factors. One is that they are identifying it earlier. They're not overwhelming the healthcare system so they can treat more people. But two... They're, they're fixing the denominator. It's like, yeah. okay, well, now we've got this many people who are perfectly fine, and then it's these this many people who are actually, you know, really in a, in a bad way. So, you know, who knows? It's, it's still, it, you know, this has only been going on for, you know, since, what, January that this first started showing up in China. So it's it's still very early on in the process, and we'll, we'll find out more. <sighs> yeah, but... Okay, so here's lighter side to me, lighter side. Countries like Norway are telling their residents to leave countries with underdeveloped 
healthcare systems like the United States. United States. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. Feels good. Feels good. I, you know, and, and I think, you know, the, the next part of this is the response, right? Our, our response here in the U.S. and what that's caused from people. Um, because, because we get so many conflicting messages, you know, the response we've had from uh, governments at different levels has been pretty varied. And I think you're seeing that those mixed messages playing out in people's behaviors. So... You know, the run on toilet paper for the last month. Right. I, I still don't understand it. I, I still I still have no idea of well, all the things to the panic You want to be the last person by. without any uh, toilet paper. That's really what it boils I mean, down to. I'd, and yet, um, the things people are panic buying. the So being unable to find hand sanitizer, right? Like that's... Which... Which, notably, you don't really need if you aren't going out in public. <laughs> like, just wash your hands, people. It's fine. Just, yeah. You know. So I, I think that the panic buying and in sort of classic Americanism, how can I make money on this? Like the dude who bought, you know, cases oh, and yeah. cases of, uh, of hand sanitizer. The Canadian couple that was going into Costco and buying pallets of uh, sanitizing wipes. And then selling them, so they were buying, you know, a, a, a pack of three of those, you know, cylinders of wipes for twenty dollars, and selling them on, on Amazon for seventy-five dollars, and like very proud of the fact, like, oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, they're just creative capitalists. That's all good. No, no right. No, stop. Stop. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> it's yeah. like it's it's funny because like, I mean, I. I kind of ride the line between capitalist and socialist. You know, it's like I, I, I think there are good solutions in both ways of approaching things. But when mm. you're in a disaster scenario, socialism is <laughs> works a lot better for the most part. Um, you know, it's like and it's funny because you see like the way our government is. It's like, OK, well, you know, we're we're very much, you know, free markets. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, the markets are crashing. Here's one point five trillion dollars. Oh, go. for sure. Like right away. Which, yeah, and there's like, and I will say, it is the right thing to do. Um, the markets were doing crazy things. Um, if you if you want to find out, I'm not going to go into the details of it. If you want to find out more about it, uh, NPR's Planet Money podcast had a, it was a, a podcast that was basically like the Fed versus COVID or something like that. Excellent analysis of why the Fed was doing what it was doing and, and what the impacts of that might be. So highly recommend that well, well but i think the the interesting thing about that is that the 1.5 trillion dollars didn't do anything right well like, it, uh, it, 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 it didn't it didn't so what i would say is this like there was an initial like everybody freaking out yeah. on monday because they're like the like clearly things are bad because the fed is doing all this crazy stuff and then after monday being a just total disaster today it was not so bad so yeah, I, think, I would say that markets trade on confidence true. and it was very clear to me that as long as the, the orange in chief was completely incoherent, 
the markets didn't care what else was happening. Yeah. So the $1.5 trillion, you know, came out of the markets like, screw it. I'm going to sell off another, you know, another 10%. It yeah. wasn't until the president was like, actually, maybe this is kind of a thing. Like when he declared a national emergency, that changed the markets a little bit. Then he wavered and was incoherent and the markets went back down. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of what made things better today was them coming forward with, you know, talking about some kind of major economic stimulus, like on the order of a trillion dollars. And so that's independent of the, you know, the money that the Fed is putting out there. And that's really what we need right now is people who are out of work because they can't physically go to work. Um, you know, or if you're like in the you know, hotel industry, you know, I saw something today about Marriott beginning to furlough their employees. Like those people need money. And so the only real way to do that is, you know, go all uh, Yang on it and, you know, UBI it, put money out there and just call it good for now. Because people got to make the rent, people got to pay their mortgages, and you can work out the details later. So how do you feel about, and I will say, I, I loved this tweet, and I'm sure it's not original. Um, I saw somebody tweet that said, in a pandemic, everybody's a socialist. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about, uh, I guess, the, the two different types of responses? So, you know, the, the things like, you know, maybe holidays from your mortgage or rent payment, the UBI side, and then the corporate response. We're going to. So I think you're best off working within the system you have. So let's let's say, OK, we're going to give everybody a mortgage holiday. How does that work? I, like, I don't know. Exactly. Whereas if I just give somebody money so they can pay their mortgage, problem solved. Um the challenge with giving out money is who gets the money? Um, like, for example, I have in my job, I can work remotely. I make a good living to begin with. I don't need a check. But the guy who is, you know, uh, working as a waiter at a restaurant, they need a check. Um, delivery drivers, they're actually doing pretty well right now. I feel like they should be getting hazard pay. Um, but you know, I mean, so it's like, there's gotta be a balance of this and recognizing that there are some areas where there is a real need for help and other people who don't need nothing at this point. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that actually. Like when they talk about, you know, Oh, everybody's got, every adult will get a thousand dollars. Like, would I take a thousand dollars? Yes. Um, and what would I do with that? I would try to organize people I know who probably don't need the $1,000 to find a way to prop up local businesses. Yeah. Like my well, you know, and that's the thing is like if you give out money to too many people, that, we, can, we can work with that. <laughs> as yeah. long as the people who need the money are getting as much as they need. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my main concern. But like, if it's just like, we're just going to, you know, put a stupid amount of money out in the economy and everybody gets a big check, like, okay, we can, we can deal with that later. Like in the long run, theoretically that would cause inflation, but that's not really a risk right now. No, <laughs> so no, no, no. yeah. I, I guess generally speaking, I'm, I am, I am for anything that, is compassionate primarily, you know? So yeah. I, I'm, I'm a landlord, you know, I've already reached out to my tenants and said, 
let me know how this is impacting you so we can figure something out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm expecting to pay my mortgages, and that's fine. Uh, yeah, but I think and that's I, the thing is, like, if they do, like, a rent holiday, well, then how does that affect you? Yeah. And then they do a mortgage holiday. It's just, it gets very weird after pretty quickly. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. So we just need Andrew Yang, uh, which is good because he won a primary tip. Oh, no, 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 he didn't. <laughs> um, it really is interesting, to be honest, to hear the administration right now talk about all of these policies from candidates who are no longer candidates. Like, I wish, I wish we could, like, restart the primary, like, now. Oh. Even though we would oh have trouble actually holding primaries. But, you know, it's like, how different is the world that was existing in January versus the world that exists now? It is insane. It is insane. Because, like, we... We haven't seen anything like this since 1918. My yeah. my dad is 89 and has never experienced anything close to this. Yeah. So, you know, we're we're in somewhat yeah. uncharted territory. We are. So, how do you kind of feel about what they're talking about in terms of? Let's just take the airline industry because we've talked about this a lot. Um, yeah. Airlines are shutting down flights. They're asking for what five hundred billion dollars. I saw right. fifty billion. But... Fifty billion. Yeah. Uh, what's a what's a decimal place, amongst <laughs> friends? Um, you know, uh, the week yeah. after they bought back, they spent forty billion dollars buying back their own stock. Yeah. I have some problems with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's like if. If we need to keep the airlines, if, if it's a matter of keeping the airlines solvent, um, you know, I mean, like if I think about it like GM, right? It's like we, if we have airlines go out of business after a point that causes some serious problems, right? So, sure. you know, so have, giving them loans or uh, doing some kind of investment like we did during the 2007 financial crisis where we say, all right, we're going to buy back some, we're going to buy some shares of your company you will pay us back later to to repurchase those like things that get them through the next couple months totally on board with it anything that's more than that uh not not so much a fan yeah i i guess my feeling is if you had all the liquidity to buy your stock back you should have kept that liquidity to pay your bills well yeah and so when are, when did they when did they do that in the last week, as the markets tanked, because everybody, of course, people were selling off. Yes, insane. everybody was selling off, selling off aircraft stocks. And we talked about in our last podcast how, you know, travel's going down because people are afraid to travel. But it's kind of being buoyed by the fact that oil was so cheap. Yeah. Um, if you look at it in the macro sense, you know, because they buy all the that oil, that, that you know, jet fuel on the futures market, they will right. be stockpiling it. Yeah. And so actually their fuel costs, because there are fewer flights, will be lower for a much longer period of time. So think about that when they're charging you $35 for a carry-on. Yeah. I recall one airline, and I can't remember which one it was, like they made actually more profit on working the futures market around aircraft fuel than they did on flying planes. 
Um, but that was for many, many years ago. That's so, wild. That is yeah. wild. I know uh, Southwest was really good at that for a while. Yeah, so that may have been the one that did it. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I think <laughs> this is, I think, what fi- I find frustrating about the, where we're at is I think big government action is needed here, but it mm-hmm. has to be smart action. And we have Trump. Right. So, so good segue. Good segue. So There's like, zero chance. You know, I mean, here's the thing. If we end up wasting a bunch of money and a bunch bunch of his friends get, you know, a bunch of extra profits because we were wasteful, but we keep everything on track and the, you know, country doesn't implode. All right, fine. I, I accept I accept that. But, you know, it could be done so much better, I'm sure, than what is being done now. Yes. Well, uh, let me, let me, before we talk about that, I, there was one bright side note or light side that I, I wanted to bring up. My understanding is that George R. R. Martin is in self quarantine. So maybe he can finish a <laughs> book. He has no choice now. Yeah, that's, uh, that's another bright side. But yeah, I, I heard somebody else, and I think it was it was maybe Nate Silver or somebody on the 538 podcast, and they said, the thing you should take away the most about Donald Trump's presidency thus far is that he has been extraordinarily lucky. Oh, that yeah. His management style has never been kind of laid bare. Um to everybody yeah. and i think that that's Until now it's a really good point and it's something we've talked about and there's like do they actually know what they're doing it was like when we joked about the foreign policy being you know sort of a random random set of words generated you know i want to give me a verb buy uh you know uh tanks land oh, oh uh, islands from and denmark okay greenland i'm gonna buy greenland um right. now it's it, it's that same kind of I'm going to do everything by gut decision-making. He, he's the kind of person who will hear something that sounds good from the last person in the room and just run with it. And so I feel like as long as we can kind of put the right people in the room at the time, maybe we can figure things out. And, and maybe even just sell him on, look, if we give everybody a big check, they're going to love you. Like... Fine. Whatever you have to do to sort of like, you know, inflate his ego just to get shit done, I sign off on it. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, we're, we're in a bad situation right now, and it could get very, very bad quickly if we don't do the right things now. So, I mean, it really is amazing that what we're talking about is, hey, look, guys, if we lie the right way to the president, he'll do what's in everybody's <laughs> best interest. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's our world, people. And, and and it has been really interesting to see, again, because I torture myself sometimes and read or watch Fox News, you know, to see the way that they've changed their their approach on things. Fake news, fake news, it's fake news, it's all fake. Ah, this is nothing. And then all of a sudden they're like, this is kind of a big deal. Maybe we should be paying attention right. to this. Boy, well, guys, as long we as should... we're tracking a few cases and nobody's dying, hey, it's all fake news, not a big deal. But when it's actually getting out of control quickly and, you know, like 
Trump was resistant to counting the number of cases because having a lot of cases is a right. bad statistic for him. The problem he's running into is that the numerator might catch up fairly quickly, which yeah. is deaths if you're keeping track. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So politically, I think, and this is important, you know, we're seeing people actually, we're seeing a couple interesting things. One is that somehow people's fear level around this has a partisan bias. So like Republicans tend to be, tend to think it's not a big deal or have a, well, a much smaller yeah. percentage of people who are like, yeah, this is serious. We need to do something. And I think it's it's separating out the there are Republicans who are still somewhat grounded in reality. And then there are Republicans who haven't met him, haven't met. Them. And so uh, I think the ones who are grounded in reality, maybe they watch a lot of Fox News, but they also watch CNN and that kind of thing. Like they're seeing what's going on and they have a much more realistic perspective on it. And, you know, while they may have more conservative opinions, they're like, OK, this is actually serious. And that's slowly bleeding more and more into Fox News land because, you know, it, it, when people start dying in large numbers, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to fake news that. Hmm. We're trying to be lighter, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> well, uh, I, I do think that that's a question. So, you know, what are you... Or, or how how is real information going to get out? You know now now you know again Fox and Friends I hear is social distancing, um, they, which they should be good at. They've been social 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 distancing it. themselves from <laughs> from the truth for years. And, right. Uh, okay, so are people going to recognize that? Or, or see that like, hey, man, had they had they been open and honest with people a couple weeks ago, maybe some people wouldn't have died. And and uh, and Republican lawmakers are, I guess, slow on getting the, maybe they're not on the feed, the right feed, the right signal group, but like Matt Getz, uh yes, and, uh, yeah, yeah, that this guy. is. Yeah, so for those of you who weren't aware of this, Matt Gates, uh, Gates, I don't know, I don't. Gates, uh, he was making fun of the whole COVID thing to the point that he was like in Congress in a gas mask, like, oh, we're so doomed, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, and then he ended up uh, being in the same room with people who had COVID. He tested for it, and I guess it came out negative. But he still isolated himself, if I remember correctly. In a um, car. Yeah, he ended up uh, driving back from D.C. in a car, uh, slept overnight in a Walmart parking lot to keep himself isolated, which I'm going to give him huge credit for. He's a total tool otherwise, but that is the right call. You should park in a Walmart parking lot to isolate yourself. I agree. Um, I still think he should have parked his car in maybe the Everglades. Or some body of water. Yeah. That would yeah, have been... Yeah. yeah, okay. You know, that would be the... That's the only way to be sure, really. You know, yeah. surround yourself with water. <laughs> so, uh, Matt Gates, if you're out there listening to us, rate us on iTunes. Because Lord your, knows from you From your car to, at Walmart. 
the Jeffrey <laughs> Wi-Fi. Right. So you can get on your phone. You're fine. You're fine. We're uh, paying for that. We're paying for that. We're paying right. for that phone. I, I've really appreciated all of the lawmakers who have voted repeatedly against any kind of worker protections for sick leave or anything like that who are like, well, I'm, I'm not working right now. Self-isolating. I'm still getting paid. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, American yeah. taxpayer, for that. A uh, giant, a giant fuck you, sir. Yeah. And uh, uh, look, I mean, we won't know how sort of polls, you know, opinion polls of the president's performance, a lot of P's in there, uh, have been impacted by, you know, his behavior over the last two weeks. And and look, I will give him some credit, I guess, for actually not acting like a total moron for five minutes in a speech where he's like, hey, don't go out and hang out with people. Yes. You know, you know, said some of the right things, said some of the things that his staff has been saying for a while um, or people around him have been, been saying for a while, but finally said, you know, some of those right things. Um, I don't know if people are going to be like, wow, look, he's really stepping up if they're or if they'll say, He's a complete idiot and said, I take no responsibility for the things that I've said for the last two weeks. Right. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't I don't honestly see how it really pans out well for the president. Uh, there's going to be a big economic impact. Doesn't matter. Honestly, you know, you can give everybody a thousand dollars now. If this drags on for two months, if there if it really is two months of you can't eat in restaurants. Those restaurants will close. Kind of here's what I feel like is probably going to happen. Um, and as I stated earlier, trying to predict the future right now is a stupid idea. So let me be stupid for a moment. Uh, the Matt Gates School. Uh, anyhow, uh, so here's what I'm thinking. We've got definitely at least a couple weeks of we're on some kind of lockdown, uh, at least state by state. Certainly some. I, I have a feeling we'll probably have something at a nation level uh, before long because it's just like there's no way to keep things under control. Um, but when that happens, like, that that can't last for too long. But it's going to set up a time period where it's like, okay, well, how do we sort of operate an economy under these circumstances? And so, like, then you'll be like, okay, we are going to reopen restaurants, but here are the rules the restaurants have to follow. Like, you have to keep social distance. You know, like these two people walk in, they can sit with each other, but the tables have to be so far apart or, or whatever. Um, some have, to have a wall because, of fire between yes, tables. Yes, uh, wall reasonable. of fire. Um, yes, positive pressure suits will be issued to people as they enter the restaurant. I've just some been wearing my inflatable T-Rex suit every time I go to the store. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, uh, I, I, I've heard from the CDC that those are recommended uh, for... Everybody's afraid of a T-Rex. Can't touch anything with your arms if they're only six inches long. That's right. Social distancing, that's what that is. Uh, yeah, so, like, because there is a practical limit to it. So we can go two weeks for sure, four weeks, sure, six, eight weeks. Like, it starts to become infeasible. And people are going to start to get antsy and be like, I can't do this anymore. And we know that... You know, the, it spreads through people who are uh, not symptomatic. So people are going to be like, I'm fine. This is dumb. I'm going to go out in public again. And it's, you know, so there's only so far that we can really go with the whole lockdown thing. 
but we know that it helps, and so it is the right thing to do, at least for the time being, until we figure out a better plan. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I look at it and say, however long it lasts, there are jobs that will be semi-permanently lost. You know, I, restaurants are going to close. Uh, businesses are, are going to close. Yeah, because yeah, they'd have to keep, you know, like how many small family-owned restaurants have, you know, two months worth of savings that they can just burn through without too much issue? Like, not many. You know, I think about like, you know, like here's actually a really good example. The bar that we recorded in has like three or four episodes ago, like brand new um, off of Rockwell, I think, was it? Burning Bush. Burning Bush, yeah. Burning Bush, Burning Bush opened fairly recently. So they've yeah. got all the Urban money, that, all that and debt property. around buying, you know, buying the property, buying the equipment, all that sort of stuff that now they're going to be paying money on. Like, can they afford to be out of business for a month or two? You know, so it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be interesting. I, I, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm very much planning on is like, whenever I get an opportunity to go back out into the world, like, I'm going to make up for the fact that I've been eating at home for the last several weeks, every meal of the day. God, I'm tired of that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I've been talking about, you know, and going back and forth about like, okay, do we buy, you know, do we do takeout now? First of all, while we still can. Um, and we've, look, we've hoarded food. Don't get me wrong. We've hoarded food. Right. I've, I've got, I've got so much spam down here. Amazing. <laughs> but I am, you know, like, okay, I, I would like to support the local restaurants. Yeah. Um, but I'm also just a little bit like, uh, how do I, uh, how do I go ahead and sanitize the bags when they come in? Like, I don't, do I have to do that? Should I do that? I don't know. I don't know. Well, and that's the thing, like, and I, I, it's, it's hard to know, like, what is reasonable, right? Yeah. It's like kind of where I've been at is like, okay, I, you know, somebody's going to deliver food to my door cool they leave it outside the door now i'm not interacting with them all right we're already good the bag might have something on it i take in the bag i take the stuff out of the bag i wash my hands like but there's you know there's only so much you can realistically do um you can't lysol everything into oblivion that's just not a, it's not practical and i'm not even sure that would help like i don't know uh, you can only learn by doing and hopefully not screwing it up. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of going under the assumption now that um, I've probably already been exposed by virtue of traveling to the West Coast in Washington, D.C. in the last... Why, why do you think I'm weeks? recording this remotely, sir? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, so, I'm going to your EJ. I risk that once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, all I'm doing now is, you know, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to patronize the businesses that I can. Twisted Hippo Brewery, you know, my favorite place on the planet. Um, they Their kitchen is open Thursday through Sunday. Um, Thursday, I'm going to make a call. I'm going to call all my neighbors and say, what do you guys want? We're going to do a big order, and we're going to get a lot of food. And here's the best thing, and New York is doing this too. So thank you, Governor Cuomo. Alcohol is a viable takeaway. So I That's can call up, I can call up Twisted Hippo and say, "Give me, you know, I would like the Smash Burger, I would like the Turkey Meatball Bon Me. I've clearly been here too much. 
Um, if it's Friday, <laughs> I could have their fish sandwich because it's Lent, the Inacata de Vida, and you know some crowlers of beer, and I can take all that with me. I can float away back to my, you know, yeah. to my fortress of Lysol solitude. Lysolitude. Right. Uh, uh, in, in Empirical delivers. Uh, they don't only have beer, but they do deliver beer. See, uh, this is... yeah, it's, it's it's glorious. You know, I will say though, you know, that's one thing I, I've been thinking about is like a silver lining of when this has all happened. Can you imagine like twenty or thirty years ago, where we still have a fairly interconnected world, but we don't have the ability to work from home? Now, a lot of people still don't. So let's let's be clear about that. But you know. Large chunks of the economy can keep operating because I had a desk job. Now I have a desk job at home instead of in an office. So that that all still keeps working. You know, we obviously you know restaurants, any anything involves sort of public gatherings, sports. Um, actually, a friend of mine uh, is, is a beer seller at Wrigley, and so yeah. like that's one of her main forms of income, which is gone for the time being. So you know, it's it's. But, you know, it's like we do balance it out at least. And hopefully, like I said, we can come through with some some financial support for everybody, um, you know, from the government. But I also know, like, I'm trying to contribute to, you know, anybody I can find who's needing help and trying to help support like local organizations that are trying to, you know, make sure that the people in need are, are getting what they need. Yeah. And so from the standpoint of the government, we've seen the the House pass a few bills, two bills now. Um, with things like paid sick, sick leave and you know some other provisions about paying for testing, at the same time that the president was saying, "Oh, insurance companies won't charge you for testing or treatment," the insurance companies like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" We reserve yeah. the right to bankrupt anybody at any time for the trip. Right. Um, and it's uh, what rule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, and something we really. That was really more Fred Flintstone than it was. Yeah, Bernie no, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, it's more it was Yogi Bear. Rubble. Yeah, it was, Bar- it was Yogi Bear. <laughs> Yogi Bear. So, hey, boo boo, what you got the picnic basket? Medicare rule. <laughs> exactly. Can we share it with everybody? The and this is shocking. The Senate has really held things up. It, which, like. Like, at some point, you just wonder if Mitch McConnell has a soul. Like, you're not paying for any of this, Mitch. Uh, I don't wonder that. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure you don't wonder. So, like, right now, we're, you know, this bill is passed by the House. It's going through to the Senate. And Rand Paul's like, well, we kind of need some amendments that are completely non-sequiturious and are going to, you know, are going to kill the bill. Let's just let's just put one of those in there. Seriously? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, and it, I, I hope we have. I hope the Democrats have enough good marketing, folks, to get some of this. I mean, all of these things. Every ad should be I, like. I, I'm sorry. You already lost me. Yeah. Hey, remember that time you were hermetically sealed in your house and you didn't have a job and you were terrified of this? Just remember, Mitch McConnell really didn't even want to show up to work that day, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I. It. It. It definitely it, it blows me away. And if we, you know, I, I don't want to take advantage of a bad situation, but I do want to take advantage of the truth. You know, the truth that 
you know, one party is trying to do what they can for everybody, for the vast majority of people. And the other party is like, that's nah, not a thing. Go out and party. It's fine. Do whatever you want. We're not going to give you any money. You know, health care. Why would we give you that? Days off. No, you shouldn't have days off. I'll be sitting in my house, you know, in Tennessee, not doing any work or Kentucky, not doing any work, collecting a, a you know, an income while saying that you shouldn't collect one yourself. You know, maybe you shouldn't be in the gig economy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this is the kind of material that you would hope, almost against hope, that could be turned into the kind of truth that people need to to vote the lizards out. Yeah. Quoting. Yep. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that makes me want to drink more beer. And- oh, man. And my beer is empty right now, so I'm going to have to go get more beer before I can drink more beer. Okay, let's take a pause. I will also Let's get take me. a pause. Okay. You're I don't back. know how to pause this thing. You can't. just going to go. Just, just let it go. What's your beer, sir? What's your beer right uh, now? Yeah, so I was drinking the uh, sketchbook right now, uh, which I picked up when we uh, last recorded before the apocalypse ensued. Uh, oh, man, sketchbook. A Very nice. Far- Farmstead Porter with cranberries is quite tasty. Uh, I've now moved on to uh, Green Spot Scotch because why the f*** not? <laughs> because, you know, I know this is supposed to be a beer thing, but... I support this decision. <clears throat> well, none of it's going to be draft, that's for sure. So. <laughs> well, you say that. You say that. Well, like I used that's... to. I did used to do home brewing, uh, which I do plan to do again at some point. But I used to have a whole keg system and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, you know, speaking of Twisted Hippo, I, I have a crowler from Twisted Hippo. So I, I love this. I, I don't know about you, but I've. I've really dug the whole crowler movement here where it's like, Oh yeah, we're going to take, you know, we're going to take an empty can. We're going to fill it from the tap and we're going to can it right in front of you. Um, which is both, you know, it's smaller than a growler. It's usually cheaper. And you also get the, the benefit of kind of having to drink it all at once. So I've got lines and hippos and beer. Ah, it's really tasty. I picked it up on Friday when I was there, uh, before the, the quarantine. Um, so that's been, you know, that this has been a a pretty good thing, but I, I actually moved on from the lines and hippos and beer, which is really good. It's got like a 3.8 on untapped, um, to a saga tuck brewing company, Maggie's Irish ale. Uh, and I'm drinking this Maggie's Irish ale because for one, it's St. Patrick's day. So happy St. Patrick's day to y'all. Um, yeah, I know everybody kind of forgot about that. And two, kind of drinking it uh, for good luck for our friend Maggie O'Keefe, who's running for committee person in the 40th Ward. Um, oh, yeah. So How's that's she doing? One of the races that I'm keeping keeping up with, it's like, I got to be honest, the only race that the person I want to win is ahead. Uh, oh, so, good. Yeah, so, so she's All ahead. Right. That looks you know, uh, fairly po- promising at this point. Uh, so that's, that's pretty good. I, I think so we, could, we could talk about Kim the circus Fox. a little bit. Kim Fox is up. I think Kim Fox is going to win. Oh, um, 
All right. Uh, you know, I'm I I've got my big board up here has lots of races. Um, yeah, Kim Fox is ahead by a a good chunk with, you know, only fifty three percent of the precincts reporting. Uh, but she's statistically up by, significant sample at least. Yeah, she's up by <laughs> twenty six points or something like that. I mean, it's oh, okay, 20, yeah, yeah, she should be. Fine. Thir- no, sorry, I'm sorry, thirty four points. She's up by thirty four points. Um, it looks like uh, Bob Fioretti, uh not going to be. He's not going to be the state's attorney. I think Kim Fox will win that, and I, I'm, I'm happy to see that. I, I was not always very positive on, on Kim, but after talking to a lot of people and, and taking some time to think about it, I think I think Kim is is the right the right choice there. I think we can, we can feel good about that one, even after all the money dumped in, uh, by Bill Conway's, Conway's dad. Um, you know, the other things I'm kind of looking at, are the, uh. Supreme Court vacancy. Um, right now, it's too close to call. Uh, Ray's and Neville are both uh, in the twenty, you know, mid twenties, twenty five percent, twenty four percent. You know, so that's that's very close. Um, and there's a big drop off, you know, ten percent down to everybody else. Uh, right. You know, the person I was supporting, Daniel Epstein, is uh, uh, he's clocking in at seven point seven percent. Uh, probably not going to make some. Was some he big the one with there. the really big signs? The very tall sign. It, no, the, it, it was it was an extremely large sign. It was both wide and tall. <laughs> yeah, it it was, like loomed over all of the other signs. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I thought it's some quality sign work. Um, some quality sign work by Daniel Epstein, and uh, Daniel Epstein is the brother-in-law of Amaya Pawar who oh, okay. was the 47th Ward Alderman, your alderman for a while, uh, and also ran yes. for governor and then treasurer, uh, both uh, obviously unsuccessful. So, yeah. um, so, you know, some connection to him, pretty smart guy, uh, but doesn't look good for Daniel uh, at this point in the evening. Again, anything On the bright happen. side, if he, if he does not win, that means that there isn't going to be this... Uh, move towards everybody having giant signs because because right. i could see this like total like oh that totally worked for him and there's like this whole sign size arms race where like there are like full-size billboards outside of polling places it would just be out of hand so you know there's a silver line <laughs> yeah I, I you know i will say as a kind of anecdote i did see some differences in the lawn sign game this cycle like things i've never seen before like some floppy signs that have two posts instead of like the, you know, the kind of corrugated ones that I'm used to, or the gigantic signs, or the ones that are, you know, sort of eh, taller than they are wide. And I'm used yeah, to the well, you know, sixteen yeah, by nine. Is, it's a good time to innovate, you know. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on board with that. As long as the sun isn't blotted out by the sign, it's all good. Election Circus 2020. So on the presidential side, and and we'll come back to some of those state and local races uh, in a bit. You know, I think um, as we get more results in, and and there's one result whose tab I closed that I want to open back up. Um, but on the presidential side. I think 
we have seen this sort of sea change of the last two weeks, um, and it is carrying out through today. So uh, today was supposed to be Illinois, Ohio, Florida, Arizona. Ohio has postponed their primary yes. because of the COVID. Yeah, um, and we don't. Do we know when it's supposed to be postponed to, or they're just like it's on hold until further notice? I think it is. Uh, I think it is June second. Okay. Yeah, I think it's June second. That's, that's plausible. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's a. You know that is a ways away. Um, and you know, I, I guess. I, I got to be honest, on its face, I think that I, I still don't, I, I don't have any problem with that decision. I, you know, it's so many, so many people would be nervous going to the polls anyway. Um, yeah. And I, I saw a lot of people, you know, criticizing Illinois for having our primary go ahead. Um, the one thing I'll say is that if you have a good amount of early voting, um, I think it's probably less of an issue because people like, I mean, I voted, you know, super mediocre Wednesday and, yeah. uh, you know, and barely anybody was there and it was, you know, perfectly fine. I mean, they were sanitizing the ends between uses, but overall it was fine. Um, you know, it's as you have crowds, that's when you start to get more of an issue. So, uh, you know, and I don't know what Ohio does for early voting. So that may have been a factor in the decision. It's just like, well, if everybody's going to show up all at once, that's a problem. Yeah, I don't think they're as big, uh, big on the, on the early voting as, um, I, as Illinois and Florida are, and and that does make a difference. And I, you know, one of the things that I had thought about was, like, if you are, you know, if you're Illinois and you get, let's just say, thirty-five percent of your votes is early votes, and then you're like. Good news, everybody. We're waiting you know, two months. What do you do with those votes? Right. What do you do with them? I, I, right, because like you're operating on totally different information. Yeah. I so mean, I'm already like, operating on different information. I voted for Elizabeth Warren. Yes, me too. <laughs> Though I kind of knew what I was getting into when I voted for her. And yeah. uh, I'm one of like, you know, a couple thousand people who still voted for her. So uh, it is what it is. You know, actually, it's, you know, talking about that, uh, worth talking about the debate that we had um, on Sunday, uh, which I don't feel like really shifted anything too dramatically. And obviously, the results in Illinois seem to back that nothing has shifted dramatically. Um, uh, so I've got to say this, and I was talking to somebody else about it. And like, am I am I the only one who thinks this way? Like, I really felt like... Biden had his best debate. Yeah, I think he did. And, um, and and other people said, well, like, yeah, but, you know, he wasn't really that good or he was. And I was like, I, look, here's the thing. I, if if it looks like he's going to be the nominee and especially after tonight, looks like he's I mean, we always knew he was going to win Florida. Looks like he's winning Illinois. Arizona results come out soon. Um, yeah. If it really looks like he's going to be the nominee, I can't deal with an additional existential threat or fear of him being terrible. 
So yes, right. I'm going to see his performance <laughs> as a little better. But I would also note that he was like, "All right, guys, it's it's just me and Bernie here. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna read everybody else's website. Maybe take their note cards from their debates. And uh, but you know, I'm gonna I think just take everybody else's policies, which I I'm think okay that's with. Great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like go out there and and you're now leading the party if you're taking the nomination. Like, let's incorporate some of these ideas. I do wonder to some extent if, you know, as people were dropping out, if they're like, hey, you know, I won't endorse if you do this or I will endorse you do this. Like, you know, so who knows how much of that's an influence. But I feel like the debate fundamentally came down to Sanders needed to hit a home run to have a chance. And he got on first base. Yeah. I, well, like I he think Biden's strategy debate, was good. Although yeah. there was a whole minute where he was talking about COVID-19 and using Ebola instead. Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah, so he talked about Ebola for a minute and then realized after that minute, oh, I meant, yeah, COVID, no, too late. Like, and it's funny because all of the people who I was listening to who are Bernie supporters were talking about, oh, Biden can't hold up in a full-on debate like that. He's going to have a senior moment. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> that didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I almost was... I almost was like, whew, thankfully, Biden had a, a solid performance. Not a knock it out of the park. He was not nearly as good as Elizabeth Warren was in most of the debates. Wasn't expecting or hoping that. Um, I thought his saying, definitely, I'm going to have a, a woman as my running mate. I thought that was a very smart play. I thought, you know, again, he's like taking pages out of other candidates' books. And Bernie didn't really have a response for that. Yeah. He didn't really know what to do. Um, and yeah. And like, and it was like things like he was talking about climate change and uh, he was talking about fracking and how we have to ban fracking. Now I think we need to ban fracking because when you frack, you release methane into the air, which is a much stronger greenhouse gas than CO2. And so that's why I support that. He didn't mention that at all. He talked about, we have to be bold. But he didn't say why we have to be bold. He didn't get this. And it's like, it just sounded really off key to me. And it's like, well, boldness for its own sake is not the right answer. No, but it also gave me some hope that actually he's going to say, I want to be bold and I'll let other people figure out the details. I'm a, I, at this point, I've got to be OK with that. Um, I don't I don't want to vote for Joe Biden. I'm going to end up voting for Joe Biden, I think is. Or maybe I'll trade my vote with somebody in Florida and I'll vote for there you go. somebody else. <laughs> um, yeah. So, look, we I don't I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, though. It's getting pretty close. You know, I, I, I think after tonight, you know, we'll see how the percentages break out. But I don't know that Bernie has a path. Well, I think it's, yeah, I mean, in addition to the fact that a lot of future primaries are going to be, you know, having the issues with COVID, I don't really see that he's got any kind of real path at this point. And in Biden favorable states. Right. So, you know, New York, maybe you could go, you know, the demographics could play somewhat to Bernie, um, maybe. But Georgia? Yeah, that's not going to work out. Louisiana? No. no. Not so much. You know, Ohio, 
maybe. Uh, you know, and but, I have to say, it's a little frustrating because so much of what Sanders' platform has been about plays well into our current situation. If you're talking about, hey, we should have health care for everybody because, you know, some people can get COVID and have a bunch of expenses that they can't afford. Some people get COVID and they have insurance and everything's fine. I mean, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's a little frustrating that that's kind of the way this has played out, but it is what it is. Yeah. And to me, you know, I was seeing some stuff, you know, about, you know, some, some tweets and some Facebook posts today from people saying like, Hey, you know, the fix is in look, they were local news stations were saying that, that Biden was going to win yesterday and the elections, you know, today. So, ah, and I just felt like how many of those people were actually calling trying to get people out to the polls. And it was the, it, it was this sort of like, it was a very sad moment for me where I was seeing the kind of, the, the problem with the Sanders campaign as a lot of other people have called it. And I, uh, I didn't really buy into their criticism before, but right there kind of said to me, look, you could be out there calling people, trying to get people to vote, or you could be on Twitter complaining about, you know, perceived injustices or a conspiracy, and you're choosing the latter. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of the things where, uh, you know, I was really proud of the Warren campaign and some of the other campaigns that were out there fighting until the last minute with a positive message, not sort of saying things were stacked against them from the start. Um, and that's, you know, I don't know. I think that's where we are. And I'm, I'm yeah. hoping that people can kind of come together and, 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 and get on some of these things. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, kind of where I'm at on pretty much everything going on right now is that like, we all have to recognize that we have to come together. We have to figure out a way to get through the times that we're in, whether that's, covid whether that's you know the election like we can't just be all self-absorbed and thinking about how does this affect me specifically we have to think bigger than that because otherwise everybody suffers whether you're talking about a virus or you're talking about Donald Trump who is kind of a virus really but (laughs) but not as contagious of a virus quick question do you think he has the covid-19 you know, that's interesting. Um, maybe. I, I feel like the whole, like, saying he hasn't tested positive or he tested negative, like, I was like, mm, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, when they said it was going to take three days and then it was like 12 minutes later. No, but it's fine. He's fine. Everybody's fine. Yeah, not buying Yeah. It. I don't know. I mean, well, it's like, when is he appearing in public, et cetera? Like, that would be the things to look for. I, um, it, to me, it's like, you look at some of these things where it's, you know, hey, it's this guy. Uh, never talked to anybody who was ever sick or tested positive. Uh, you know, maybe Kevin Durant of the New York Nets. Right. See a net? I don't know. Maybe a Brooklyn net? I, I don't know anything about basketball. I know he's a basketball Neither player. Neither do I. Is, has tested positive. Yeah. Donald Trump had dinner, shaking hands with two, three people who tested positive 
Come on, man. But he is a germaphobe. Yeah, so is he, is he though? That, that, yeah, he though? well, that's my understanding. I, I don't know. I mean, you know. I, ask Stormy Daniels. Yeah. There are certain things I wouldn't, or certain people I wouldn't do if I were a germaphobe. That, yeah, no, fair. Just going to uh, toss that one out there. Yeah, I'll just let that sit there. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, though, is like talking about him having uh, possibly COVID, but probably not because we don't live on a timeline that would help us that way. Um, not that I should be wishing for such things, which I'm not. Anyhow, <laughs> one of the things to think about as we uh, look at the election is the virus is going to affect things beyond just sort of like the context we're working in. But like there are voters who are not going to survive to vote. There are people in sure. Congress, in the Senate, who aren't going to survive to be elected. Uh, especially given the average age of the Senate, especially like there are people who are just not going to be around in November. So how does that affect, her? Uh, you know, so there might be people who are running against an incumbent right now who will just win by fiat because they're the only one running. How old's Mitch McConnell? Just asking. Not old enough. I do think it's time for him to go visit the Iranian parliament. Just tossing that right. one out there. Um, <laughs> Let's stop wishing ill on people. I know. Uh, I know. Mitch McConnell, I, is, Mitch McConnell is 78 for the record. So I, I think I'd like to wrap Which, tonight. Although, to be fair, although I should point out, being that he's a turtle, he will live to possibly 400. Yeah. So let me tell you the other couple races that I was really interested in. Um, oh, yes, please. And I'm going to sit here and sip my scotchy scotch. Oh, man. <laughs> scotchy, scotchy, scotch. So I think the big one that we should all probably be aware of and probably have been aware of, maybe if you're interested in this stuff, is the third district U.S. House. The incumbent is Dan Lipinski. And, and Marie Newman. Marie Newman is, look, again, things can still change. I don't remember what the vote counts were the last time. It was like a couple hundred. Um, she's up by about a thousand votes now. Oh, please. That would be so nice. You know, here's how distracted I've been by all this crap going on. It's like you're starting to talk about this. I'm like, wait. That's today. <laughs> it is. It is today. Um, oh, man. This is a crazy world we live in. It is. It is. I mean, these are things that I was... I, I, like, I'll be honest. I I was totally digging into all these numbers and, you know, you know who am I going to help, you know, on today? I was going to take yesterday off and today off and just work on campaigns for people knock doors, you know, like, and now, Oh yeah. Like, well, today we were supposed to be in a bar recording yes. this. Yeah. 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 I was going to, I was going to flyer during the day, work at a poll or be a poll watcher and then go yes. to the bar. And instead I was at home with my kids the last two days because there's no school. Right. And, you know, watching the, I was on Bing. I was on Bing for God's sake, looking at their, their COVID-19 maps and 
was really feeling unprepared for this. So, you know, as we see some of these results come in that are positive, you know, I'm, 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 I'm very happy for them. Uh, and a little embarrassed that I wasn't more involved with them. But So there it is. We've come to this end of the primary season in Illinois. We've still got results coming in. I think there will still be some good results. Um, and I love how when we talk about, you know, really, this is the election in most of these precincts. You know, you're not going to see, or these districts, you're not going to see some of these folks, you know, lose to a Republican. I was just, when you look at the uh, the House third, right, the Marie Newman has 31,000 votes. Dan Lipinski has just about 30,000. Um, I will point out some very good news is uh, the Nazi who uh, won the Republican nomination in the uh third district last time is currently losing so that's good well that's just he's arthur jones right yes i mean yes it's good he's gotten 10 percent of the vote well but you figure it this way like it's 10 percent of the vote of republicans right and there aren't that many republicans like it's three well and that's the other thing i was gonna to say. say well there let's have see. been like let's ten thousand votes on the republican side there have been 65,000 votes on the Democratic yeah. side. He's received, there are a thousand people, presumably in the state of Illinois, who thinks, I'm voting for the Nazi. Well, in the third district. In the I third mean, district. and maybe it was just like they looked at the names and they were like, you know, Frisioni, I'm not voting for an Italian. O'Shea, I'm not going to vote for an Irish. Like right. Jones, yeah, I'm Welsh. And they checked the Welsh box, but. Man, that's still scary to me that a thousand people be like, yeah, absolutely. Give me the Nazi. That, that is... Or he's first on the ballot. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's up to 11% now. Just just saying. I just refreshed it. He got another percentage point. Damn it. Um, well, anyway. So that's, that's the local races. Is there anything else... Uh... Let's see, let's no, see. I think the next time we talk, we'll still be in quarantine. We'll still be in yes. lockdown. Oh, yeah. I, my, my feeling is that we'll be in further lockdown. Um, I'm hoping that restaurants will be open at all. Um, but I suspect they might not be. Um, yeah, I think I mean, I think in the long run, it makes sense. Here, Here's kind of my theory on things right now, is that the way that is probably safest for people on average is if we're largely relying on delivery. Because... You've got one person who goes to the store, who goes to the restaurant, and they're the one potential transmission point. Um, whereas if I go to the restaurant, any number of people I can come in contact with. Uh, if I go to the grocery store, uh, we briefly flirted with the notion of going grocery shopping yesterday. I got to the Jewels. I walked in. I saw the lines at the cash registers. I'm like... Oh, hell no. This this is how you get COVID right here. It's like everybody's all crying around the couch. It's like, nope. <laughs> uh, so we, we backed off of that and are relying on our on our backlog of supplies. Yeah, I, uh, we've been wondering about that, too. Like, I don't know. Too, how do we? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. But we'll make it through. Yeah, hopefully. So how you, we'll make how, it through. You know, let, let, let's let's step away from the politics for just a moment. Like, how, how are you doing? How are you feeling about all this? Hey, man. 
like I said, lizard brain is out, right? Yes. I go back and forth. Um, and, and luckily, there's a lot to keep us busy. We've got this. We've got figuring out food and worrying if we've stockpiled enough food. I will um, say the, the, the grocery thing causes me a level of anxiety that I had <laughs> never really contemplated. So, like, on the day when we get groceries, I'm like, and we, got, we actually did Instacart today and got an order of, of groceries, and it was actually most of the items we wanted were there. And I'm like, ah. Like, I felt, I felt actually calm in a way that I hadn't felt in the last few days. Like, okay, we're good. Now give me another week from now. I'm like, do we have enough? And then I'm going to start over. You know, yeah. and, it, it, I, and it's, you know, I will say, like, it's a good lesson, you know, as somebody, you know, personally, I've not had to be really concerned about, can I get groceries at a grocery store? And there are a lot of people who do. And so it's definitely a... Definitely something I'm learning more about against my will. Yeah. I mean, I do have some some grocery fears. I, I do find myself when my kids are like, could I have a second bagel? Like, second bagel? We only have three of those bagels. <laughs> do you think they grow three? on trees? Yeah, you can't have a second bagel. What are you going to ask for next week? A third bagel? No. You can't have another bagel. Eat some more What's dried like noodles. Right. Um, and I really don't like eating leftovers and I kind of need to now. And I'm not, not a fan of that. <laughs> it's just, I mean, that's the thing. Like none of this is like dramatically inconveniencing me. I work from home all the time anyhow, but you know, it's, it's just, just this level of just anxiety around everything. That's uh, you know, I, I'm kind of just like hoping for a little bit more routine in, in the coming weeks, like, okay, like, yeah, we're all in lockdown, but this is just how we do now. And there's help coming for the people who need the help. And we're going to just grind through this for a little bit until we can, you know, come up with a better plan. And so, you know, yeah. smooth things out instead of us being like, oh, the market's tanking. The market's great. The market's tanking. The, oh, there's no toilet paper. There is toilet paper. I don't know. No, there's still not toilet paper, but that's okay. I've got yeah. goals. I'm I fine. I, honestly, like to me, if if I didn't have to deal with the kids, you know, and school and those kinds of things, and we're we really are working on school schedules, and they we've got things home, and we can shout out to the teachers who have been trying to figure this out and are have been communicative and have made themselves available, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and they've been awesome. Um, it's a good distraction, right? Because it's kind of focused on that. Uh, but it's, you know, you know, like I said, lizard brain, brain clum comes out and I'm a little like, uh, is this really scary? How scary is this? What should I be worried about? Do I have enough toilet paper? And I go, ah, actually my dad insisted we install a bidet. So we're fine. That's <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm like, I can't get toilet paper from Amazon, but I can get a bidet. So fall black plan. So it, okay. it would be funny if when you went on to Amazon, you're like toilet paper and it's like, People also bought a bidet. <laughs> People also bought a bunker. Yeah, insure. <laughs> the shipping on the bunker is a little expensive, but yeah, yeah, insure. Yeah. <laughs> MREs. Yeah, beautiful. You know, this is the, this is the dumb thing about all this. There was actually, I think it was uh, King Supers like tweeted out that they have like people need to chill out because they've got like a twenty acre facility full of food. 
The only problem is just like the logistics of number of trucks and number of people to get food from point A to point B. So like we need to just like, and I think what will happen is as we sort of get settled into the new routine and people are recognize that if I go to the grocery store, there will be food. It'll be fine. Like two weeks from now, we're going to have a grocery store full of food that nobody wants to be in. <laughs> or, yeah, nobody wants to leave their house. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Um, exactly. And then I'll be, my Instacart tips will be 100%. Yeah. Oh, yes. Leave it, tip, leave tip, it on the side. Generously, everybody, for those delivery drivers. Because, I yeah. mean, they're, they are potentially literally risking their lives. And, you know, I feel like, you know, I was saying, I think that, you know, doing things by delivery is really the best way to go. But I think we also need to be doing everything we can to make sure that the people who are taking that risk, I mean, like, you know, we think about police, we think about firefighters, like as weird as it seems to lump delivery drivers into that category, they're part of how we respond to this right now. And yeah. so it's something to think about. It is. Uh, so although, just although I don't let, think I'm going to message my delivery driver, thank you for your service because that would no, just be weird. That would be weird. Yes. Um, just a last thing before we sign off for tonight. Yes. Uh, so as of right now, um, there are some good results out there. You know, again, if you're progressive and and whatnot, I think we're still seeing positive stuff from that. Uh, from that third house district race. Um, the gap still yeah. seems to be a thousand votes, which is something we should be, we should be happy for. I think uh, some interesting results on the Cook County water commissioner. That's a, that's a thing. Um, but also I want to say you're not one of a thousand people who voted for Elizabeth Warren. Cause even as of right now, 50% yeah, except of now 13,000 or so. Yeah. 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 So that's good. I feel it's, in good company. So there we go. So everybody, stay safe. Wash your damn hands. Stay home. Listen to our podcast while you're washing your hands. Rate us on iTunes. Sounds good. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.